Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Josh Alexander, what a match. That's right, we're here to talk about Bound for Glory from the weekend. What a show. Uh, what a great time to be a wrestling fan right now. You sure you don't want to talk about Moxley losing the GCW Championship? I know that's probably the second biggest news of the weekend. Uh, also, Death Triangle retained the trio's titles. They really did, as well as, as did Jade Cargill, continuing her uh, her undefeated streak. Yeah. Nyla Rose stole the belt. I know, I know. Sheamus lost uh, out to Gunter, of course. Yeah. But yeah. And Bray Wyatt has returned to WWE. Wrestling in general, but mainly WWE. He could have, in an alternate universe, he could have been at Bound for Glory. In an alternate universe, you remember there was that report from Fightful Select that a startup company offered him massive money to go and be like one of their top stars. The insinuation being it was Freddie Prince Jr.'s company, right? That Triple H has done nothing but crush Freddie Prince Jr.'s <laughs> dream since he took over. He snapped up Karrion Cross when mm. Freddie Freddie Prince Jr. was going to build his entire promotion around Karrion Cross, and Triple H was like, nope, I'm going to poach that guy. He's like, well, I'll build it around Bray Wyatt instead. He's like, nope, I'm having him as well. Triple H, the crusher of Fred from Scooby-Doo's dreams. The absolute bastard. We're all looking at Triple H versus Tony Khan. No, they're pals. No, exactly. He hates Freddie Prince Jr. Can't stand any of the movies uh, that he's done. Um, name me five Freddie Prince Jr. movies. Scooby-Doo. Mm. Scooby-Doo 2. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um me five Freddie she, Prince Jr. She's all franchises. That. She's all that. Okay. Um so what's another Freddie Prince Jr. movie? I'll also um, take Matthew Lillard movies because they're <laughs> well, often in the same one. Scream. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's Matthew Lillard as well. Lillard. And and uh, he was in one of the Star Wars uh cartoons. Cool. Of course, Bray Wyatt has returned to WWE. Uh that this is the Extreme Rules. Review show. I'm Ollie Davis. This is Luke Owen, DAD. If you haven't already, press the thumbs up button. Give us a subscribe. Leave your thoughts down below with what you thought of the show. If you're watching on demand and if you're watching live, get in those ultra chats to wrestletalk.com forward slash support. We'll read out every single one of them over five US dollars before the end of the show. Let's start with the end mm -hmm. because we had for my money a great three-hour pay-per-view 
it was you had six matches on there. Two of them were were excellent. The other four were there, but every hour you had a great little bit of fun to enjoy. Yeah, because they had the three Miz backstage segments mm-hmm. with the Honey Monster, and <laughs> I, and people seemed to very much enjoy that. Yeah, uh, it was for my money a add a push four out of five show, but with this return, it is a classic five out of five show. Like this, this is an easy five out of five show. But I think actually, while six matches on a three hour card is muy bueno, mm-hmm. the best way to enjoy a wrestling pay per view. Oh, learn some lessons, TK. The show itself, I thought, was actually broadly quite pants, with the exception of one match and the final 10 minutes of another. I agree. It's one of my favorite shows of the year, too, Luke. <laughs> uh, but yes, we I, I said this in my review, Triple H, what he's done. Before he came in, I would say there was just one pay-per-view that happened for about five, six years. They're all roughly the same. I couldn't tell you what happened on what show. And that's as much weekly TV's fault as it was the pay-per-views themselves. Because, you know, debuts would happen here, returns would happen there, angles would happen somewhere. No real rhyme or reason or long-term plan. Triple H immediately appears to be approaching these premium live events and TV with the idea of one all-time memorable moment. Not all-time, maybe, but memorable moment every show. You had the digger at SummerSlam. You had Solo Sokoa at Clash of the Castle. Castle, And now you have this Bray Wyatt return. Three angles that, in my mind, are so colourful and vivid and well executed that that they make the the entire event feel far more historic. It's the Tony Khan method. It's how Tony Khan approaches his pay-per-views, mm. which is that, A, you put far too many matches on than you really need to, and they run really, really long. But there's always a big talking point coming out of the show. Like That's one of the, the great strengths that Tony has had with the AEW pay-per-views is that the, up and down the card, there's usually tremendous wrestling. Sometimes there's too much of it. But when you, the show is finished, you have got a big, huge angle to talk about, whether that be um cm punk you know the return at rampage and then coming out of that you had danielson and cole this year's all that it was mjf um uh, double or nothing it was was really regal was that revolution that was revolution that was revolution but that wasn't the end was it that was it was in the middle in but the middle. that but the point is it's a big talking point coming out of mm-hmm. it so that you have got oh my god we need to talk about this thing and that has made me excited to tune into the show the following day i don't want to do this but i'm gonna do it and please don't get tribalistic in the comments. This is purely a question out of curiosity because I think they were both excellent. Whose return did you prefer, MJF's or Bray Wyatt's? Because they're both kind of similar. They both had evil masks. They both happened at the end of a pay-per-view, premium live event, where the, the title match that sort or the main event had already finished. Everything goes black. You know, vignettes... Someone walks out on stage. Oh, and it's Bray Wyatt without a shadow <laughs> of a doubt because I thought the MJF one, like the reaction that got in, like in the first instance when he came out and he won the ladder match, was pin drop, deathly mm-hmm. silent. Whereas this was a show built around the return of Bray Wyatt. The very like first thing that happens on the show, more or less during the entrances, is White Rabbit's coming tonight. And then this was a crowd in Philadelphia that didn't want to see any wrestling on this show. They just wanted to see Bray Wyatt. To the point where, in the main event, the only thing they were interested in was Seth's theme song and Bray Wyatt. Oh. So 
it was like so when the return happened and i think the crowd had almost resigned itself that it wasn't going to happen it got an incredible reaction because it was just three hours of anticipation mm. for it to finally shoot its load. Like you you said, that the show opened during the Imperium Brawling Brutes entrances with it just went and we got a little what looked like a video game cartoon. It was what of they a did on SmackDown, hopping down. Yeah, so it was the exact same animation that was on SmackDown of a white rabbit going mm. down a hole and then it sort of explodes. Apart from SmackDown, it just went tomorrow night. And imagine if it had done that and been like, raw. I I don't think they should have done this, but I like this idea. Someone put it in the comments of my review video. And that was in the I Quit match. You know, it's quite annoying. We'll get onto it later. The referee's always microphone in the face. You're going to quit? No. It's that for 17 minutes. If the, the reason that mic was always in play is like in the fifth, sixth, seventh minute, mm. suddenly it just goes, let him in or run. You know, like yeah. someone, but that, that, that would have given the game away. I don't even think that, I think it would have just distracted from the match because yeah, then people yeah. would have stopped caring about that match and be like, oh, why it's coming now? He's the leader of Judgment Day. <laughs> but what happened was really there was no other mention. I didn't see any. Maybe there was a bunch, but they were like Fight Club style jump cuts uh, until right at the end. The copyright logo even came up in the bottom left-hand corner. As you predicted. I've seen people say that they were, like, getting ready, opening Twitter. This show sucked. I already started making up the where Bray thumbnail. And then, just in the best Triple H way possible, then all the lights go off as you've got Daniel Cormier at the top of the ramp with Matt Riddle. Like, they played this perfectly to just make you think it wasn't going to happen. So when the lights do go down, the, oh, that pop, because everyone knew. Everyone knew. And they like, but for us at home, the production-wise, you had Michael Cole, who, for mm. my money, MVP of the Oh, night. my God, so good. Cole was incredible this entire yeah. pay-per-view, particularly in that Edge Balor match. Is he the biggest turnaround? Of the Triple H era. He's the one that was like the most no-brainer of like, oh yeah, well of course he's good because he was producing all of the NXT commentary uh -huh. when that was amazing. And he was amazing at like the UK shows that they did as well. So you're like, oh no, he's great. He's just terrible under Vince. So as soon as the shackles come off, you're like, it's like a good reminder to be like, oh yeah, no, we did. He is good. You think Booker T is going to be good without the shackles? No, because he's a terrible commentator. <laughs> you need the foundation to be a good commentator mm. first before it's kind of ruined by Vince's shackles. Um, but Michael Cole was there being like, are we, are we, are we still on the air? Yeah. Like, according to the Is production the team, production, are we still on? Are we still on the air? And you can kind of hear Corey off mic, like he's already taken his headset off, going, no, I think we're done. And I, I love those touches. So good. Um, but yeah, the lights go off. Everyone knows what's happening. Fireflies galore with the phone torches. And then it's Bray's voice singing i've got the whole world in his hands and then the camera you, this was you know actually probably a little bit too long but i don't care don't care they zoomed in on well there's uh huskus, huskus the, pig, the boy. pig boy in human form not as puppet but a human dressed up as huskus the pig boy someone's seen their blood and honey trailer <laughs> on youtube haven't they <laughs> do you remember the that concept art that someone showed that one of the plans that Bray had was to do real life versions of the puppets. Mm. That was the next step of the gimmick. But then he got released. Yeah, That's what I thought we were going for. And it may still be where we're going for here. Although this did also feel like it's 
aspect we'll get to because this feels mm. like, it felt like the death of the funhouse in a way. Yeah, I, I it could be. Uh, yeah, you have Rambling Rabbit, Sister Abigail, Mercy the Buzzard, but people in like hideous cosplay human versions, and that the camera would zoom in on each one. And then you even got the fiend yeah. on the barricade, and people thought it was Bray. I he, thought it was Bray. Well, so the, the two that got the biggest pop were um, Rambling Rabbit, because people thought it was the White Rabbit. So I was like, "Oh my god, look, there's Bray! It's amazing!" And then they, you know they went back to doing more of this, and the fiend, because everyone was like, "Oh look, there's Bray! There's Bray there!" And then it went to the video screen, and everyone was like. So uh, where is Bray? Yeah, yeah. They even had the burnt fiend mask on the commentary desk, and Michael Cole like stood up. Yeah. Um, and usually I hate that kind of stuff just appearing, but you know you can kind it's of Bray. <laughs> but you can also explain it like, oh, the the lights were off. Michael Cole was paying attention to other things, and then the light turns on that. Uh, but yeah, that's just a, another example of Bray determined to tie up every narrative loose end, even that crappy burnt fiend thing. There it is. But yeah. Then the, the camera goes up the ramp. There is a mystical looking door. Looks mm. like it's part of a, a woodland or a forest. Yeah. And then a scene starts playing on the Tron and it is the Firefly Funhouse. With the theme song like distorted and like yeah. like all, all of that sort of stuff. very fun. It was not. And there was Mercy the Buzzard left in the puppet box like covered in cobwebs. Sister Abigail was like lent in the in the window again covered in cobwebs mm. and stuff. The, the fun house has been abandoned for the last year. So no one has touched it. No one has touched the puppets. It's dead. It's It's gone. And it then moves across to a TV as if to say, we're stepping into the next part of Bray's imagination here, and this is what it is. And it is this guy in a mask talking about who killed the world. You did, which was the first White Rabbit um, hangman thing that they did. And then he comes out. Well, I, I really love that TV, zoom into the TV. It felt like not just the next level of Bray's imagination, but a level deeper into yes, Bray's absolutely, yeah. Like you are, you, you've gone into the Firefly Funhouse and now you're going into a TV screen in the Firefly Funhouse. It's like Inception. Yeah, it's yeah. like layers of reality deeper down into the subconscious. That makes me terrified because how do you get darker and more scarier than The Fiend? What, Lily? Lily? Lily wasn't anywhere on this. Because some <laughs> narrative loose ends, he doesn't care. He doesn't about. want to. Yeah. Uh, but then, yet, yeah, the, all of this was like, and I said it in our predictions video. If you want to go back and watch, I felt like you could just say, you know, you could almost just have, he's got the whole and that, and it's Bray's voice. That's enough. But they kept going, and every time I was like, oh, they're going to leave it there. They're going to leave it there. It was a good version of the end of Return of the King, mm. and. Then they cut back into the the the, the, arena. the the arena where you've got the door on the top of the ramp. The spooky door. And I'm like, well, I, we're still going. And then the door opened and there's light bursting out of it. I'm like, okay, is that it? And then the light cut off. And I was like, that's it. And then the lantern came up and the, everyone just started chanting, holy S word, uncensored. It was like the clearest cussing you've ever heard on a wwe show yeah they really let this play out and just let the audience speak for itself and i thought okay well that's it and every time i thought you can leave it there you can leave it there but they just kept on topping it exceeding my expectations of what i thought was possible and a guy walks out in the mask that we saw on the tv set i thought 
<laughs> That's it. Everyone knows it's Bray. And then he takes the mask off. And even though everyone knew it was Bray, everyone went absolutely nuts, including me. I'm getting goosebumps retelling this. I, I loved it. And he he could not withhold the expression of joy on his face. I don't think that little smirk was planned. I think it was, hot damn, it's good to be back. And then I, I didn't really pick up the, the, the microphones, but I think he said, run. And then he blew out the lantern. And the show ended. Which is kind of a full loop to the original Bray Wyatt cult leader. So I don't know if this is going deeper into a new character, or if it's actually... We're stepping out. Yeah, and we're going we're... back into cult leader way, Bray with a potential Wyatt Six faction yes. of these come-to-life Firefly Funhouse characters. Because there is six, mm. if you include Bray. You have Huskus, Mercy, Rambling Rabbit, Sister Abigail and the Fiend, plus Bray equals six. So that, that could be the Wyatt Six. Now, that's one of the, my favourite things about Bray as a performer is that he lets fans, he gives fans something to like sink their teeth in and fancy book themselves. Like Wyatt Six has been a trending topic on Twitter and it's just people fancy booking who they want to be in the faction. It's all the obvious. Liv Morgan should be Sister Abigail. It's like all the- Zelina Vega. Yeah. Oh, she's already- Sorry. It's all, it's, you know, it's all the usual like lazy sort of fancy booking things, but it's fun. Mm. It's fun for us to be able to do lazy fantasy booking of putting people into this faction. Who are all the spooky characters? Put them Raven. in. Let's put them into this group. Joe Gacy, why not? Take Karen Cross and put him into this faction. Yeah. But it's fun. And I don't know whether this is a faction. I don't, again, that's kind of what I love about this. I don't really know what this is. All I know is that it was really <laughs> cool in the same way that SummerSlam 2019 was just mm. really cool. But when it was all over, I was like, I don't know really what the next phase of this is or what the next step of this is but I'm excited to find out. So I think Raw's going to get quite a decent little bump off the back of this, not only because it's the season premiere, and of course the architects of the Attitude Era, DX, are going to be on the show. They invented the Attitude Era, Ollie. Everything you like was down to Triple H. The only reason the Attitude Era was a success is because of Triple H and Shawn Michaels. People think it was TNT deciding they didn't want wrestling anymore, but actually it was because DX went over to WCW on a tank. Yeah, which was a Jeep. But people have now said it's a tank. It wasn't. People seem to think there's this narrative that Steve Austin mm. was like the biggest draw, or yeah. uh, this, the, the Rock was a, the or real reason. But really, no, it was, it was D Generation X for that nine month period they were together. <laughs> at DX. Anyway, that's beside the point. So I think we're going to get a really killer rating off the back of this. I thought this was an excellent, excellent, awesome, sweet as F return. And I'm I'm dead excited for, for what comes next. I can't help myself. I want to keep comparing it to AEW. <laughs> because I, I, the other greatest return um, I've ever seen is obviously CM Punk. And that was the total opposite. That was real. That was him as a person. It was all the real life story of him going away from wrestling, coming back. And he talked about performers he wanted to work with, not so much have feuds with. It's very reality-based. It was a shoot return. This, I don't think, could be 
any more different. No, well, it's it's all fantasy. Th- this is exactly the difference between AEW and WWE. One is this real, and I'm doing big air quotes for podcast listeners, real sports-based thing, and this one is a fantasy sports entertainment world. That's the two key differences here, and both of them are awesome in their own right. Exactly, and that's why both of these returns feel so epic and awesome because one of them is this real return that a guy's been gone for so long. This guy's only been gone for a year. But it's a year that we've really missed Mm. him. And they've done an incredible tease. And it was this big fantastical thing with a man in a pig mask and (laughs) a big bunny rabbit and all this sort of stuff. That made people go like, oh my God, this is the most coolest thing. He walked out of a door with a lantern. Like, this is the coolest thing. It's rad. And both of them are rad in their own ways. It's all about that thing we keep coming back to. And it's the momentum. And it's the excitement of what can come next. Because if he came back in the Vince era, I'd be like, yeah, but, yeah. you know, what What a return. But, you know, they're going to screw it up in three weeks. But now, like you were saying with the Wyatt Six, the potential of a faction or just Bray by himself. What this character means. I'm so excited for not just where WWE will go, but where will Bray's imagination go with someone who has more of a commitment to longer term storytelling. Which they have got in this this new fellow that they hired mm. in who used to work for, for Marvel Comics, pitched a Fiend movie last oh, year. Didn't even think of that. So like they're gonna be working together. Rob Free, I think his name is Rob <laughs> Fee. They're gonna be working together on this sort of thing. He's the head of mm. long-term creative plans. And yeah, I think Triple H is a guy that's just like, look, the fans love you and the fans love what you're doing. Let's see what you've got and let's run with yeah. it. Whereas the report was that Vince had lots of ideas for what Bray did and Bray didn't like any of them. So he just kept saying, if he thought it was rubbish, he would say that is rubbish. And Vince found that, quote, difficult to deal with. (laughs) So it was like, well, you know, that guy doesn't know how to work. He doesn't know how to get over. We'll just give his gimmick to Alexa Bliss and kick him him to the curb because we we created this. Yeah, that's so Vince saying, well, I'll show you how it's done. Yeah, uh, I'll give it to someone else and I'll make it work with them. Daniel Bryan's not over. The yes chance <laughs> is over. We can give the yes chance to anyone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's see what everybody thinks on the Ultra Chats. Get them into wrestletalk.com forward slash support. Dr. Hook Nolan of Evans says, Hiya, gents. Bray's back. So happy, but I'm not sure how you feel when I say just enjoy wrestling. I was texting a friend afterwards and he said WWE greater than AEW, which hugely annoyed me. Why would I care about picking sides after watching that? Thoughts, Janet Jam. <clears throat> Look, we've been doing this for a while now. Um, we've been we've reviewed every episode of AEW Dynamites and actually everything AEW since it's launched. It's just a thing that wrestling fans now do. And actually, in fairness, they sort of always have done because people did it with TNA. People did it with WCW. It's just it's now louder now because social media is there. People pick their sides. Marvel DC. PC Max. PC yeah. Max, exactly. Uh, Riot DR. Oh, no. P- PJC. Yowie wowie. I stopped watching WWE when The Fiend lost to Goldberg. I said to my friend, if Bray Wyatt comes back, he is a dum-dum because Vince won't book him right. Under the Triple H regime, I'm never missing one show ever. Huh, you could do. Because actually, as great as this was, weekly TV is largely missable. Oh, isn't that that the case? (laughs) Riot DR. Hey, yo. As wrestling fans, it is hard for us to practice patience. I love Bray Wyatt, but Matt Riddle risked his entire spine on that falling bro sent on just to keep the attention of the fans. That being said, probably the best way to re-debut Wyatt. Felt so bad for <coughs> Matt Riddle in that main event. Talk about like the... Well, he, was, he was probably more over than Daniel Cormier was, but still the third most thing, the third least interesting thing mm. people were into. Mr. CJ Lilly. Hi, guys. Very cool night last night. Alexa even tweeting, hello, old friend. Of course, for the fiend of Bray, even though it meant, again, she got attacked for it. I don't know. Uh, but <coughs> do you think the puppets and the fiend are the only other members of the Wyatt Six with Bray as number six? If so, how would you fill these roles? So you've already said a few bliss. Joe Gacy. They, those are those are fan theories, yeah. I guess, because you just pick spooky characters and you just put put them together. He should be the leader of the Dark Order. That that sort of thing. Well, Eric Rowan's not doing anything right now. Bo Dallas. Yeah, we've always I, wanted that. In. I don't know. Like the the best iteration of this was when it was the Wyatt family of Bray, Rowan, and uh, Harper. Mm. Like that was the best version of that group. I don't think I want a lesser version of it. That's I, I think I just it's want, a new group. I just kind of want to see Bray on his own. At, at this current point, that's what I'm most interested in. I don't want to just grab some mm. other ro- pe- ro- members of the roster and just throw them into this group. I know what you mean, but also Bray works best when he doesn't wrestle often, and having a group around him means he can have these great promos, have these great vignettes, have these awesome feuds but not kill other baby faces that was, until three, four months in. That was the thing. when I, I put out a tweet saying that I really enjoyed this, and the first few comments I got was, yeah, but the bell has to ring at some point. Yeah, so just Which, reduce that bell ringing <laughs> and have people face other members of the clan. That's how the Wyatt family used to work so well. Also, <gasps> war games. 
me and Pete have been talking about this off mic. We've kind of been saving the pitching war games uh, episode of the Blackpool Content Club. But every time I think I've got a version of war games, I think of another version of war mm. games that I want to see. I was like, initially I was like, yeah, of course you do the bloodline versus KO and friends. And then I was like, no, I want to see Imperium mm. in war games against the brawling brutes. And now I'm like, but what if I've got the Wyatt group in there? And like, there's lots of different ways that war games can go when we get to the end of next month. Wyatt six versus the bloodline tap into those Roman Bray moments from over 10 years ago. <gasps> but then, oh. but then you're throwing Wyatt straight into the title picture. And that's that's what killed the fiend. Yeah. Uh, Connor Bath. Love the show, lads. Question for you, gents. Do you think if Bray has his first match in Saudi? Oh, no. <laughs> well, it damages character and popularity right now. I trust Triple H, but Saudi is unpredictable. And the last time Bray was in Saudi. Yeah. Love the show, guys. Well, the time before he did win the title. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, I, I don't. Actually, I think we're going to wait a long while before he has a match. Mm hmm. Uh, Andrew the Last Airbender will be on Raw on Monday. <laughs> Andrew the Last Airbender, four hundred and thirty-four days in the making. Bray is my favourite wrestler and the greatest creative mind in the business. This return to me was what the Punk return was for Ollie. Chills, chills, chills. I can't wait for a Laurie explained video. You guys rock, jam that rabbit. Yeah, everybody go watch Laurie's three-part explained video series on Parts Unknown, all about the Fiend and the Wyatt family and how that gimmick all ties into the existing lore. Because these aren't new characters. They all have a through line, and Laurie masterfully analysed it about two years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, Gabriel Reyes, a year ago, my partner would never watch WWE programming with me. Since Triple H took over, we went to SmackDown on Friday, and he loved this show despite not knowing all the context. When Bray returned, he looked at me and said, so this guy's a star, huh? <laughs> Christian Payne, I've always thought that the Firefly Funhouse was a purgatory and The Fiend was the key between purgatory and the real world. But now I'm wrong, lol. <laughs> it's a nice version. Though. It is a nice version. I just remember when The Fiend debuted or like, you know, they were doing these teasers of The Fiends before he did debut. And then someone found this old NXT promo that he did where he was talking about The Fiend and was like, this guy is just like yeah. always four steps ahead of wherever we are in storytelling. And now hopefully he has an infrastructure around him which will also see as many steps ahead. Uh, Edgar Carrasco, 11-month Memberg. God damn it, I love Bray Wyatt. I can't wait to see what's next from the mind of the Firefly Funhouse match. This was perfection. Just all kinds of stuff says, Hey guys, loved the show last night, although I was really disappointed in the crowd. Except for the Bray return and some small moments, they were pretty dead. Also, I thought they, were, they came alive for the six-man and the last half of the Bala Edge match. That, I think that's what he means by uh, some small moments mm. because they were alive for that opening match so into Sheamus. But yeah, a lot of it they were very, very quiet. Also wanted the White Rabbit song to be there. Still a ton of fun, excited for the future. I think that, that's the entrance theme song. I hope so. Pricey so, though. Oh, Triple H though, isn't it? Hmm. Jose Rivera Valentin. I had to go back and watch Bray's return on YouTube. It was better on camera. Unless he had a great viewer seat right next to the ramp, we cheered because we knew it was him. Part of the crowd tried hijacking the main event with Wyatt Chance. Still awesome though. Yeah, I was going to say that was noticeable during the main event mm -hmm. that no one was actually interested in the fight bit. And finally for now, Charles Berg. What a return. The mask is sinister. I'm also happy he's back in WWE because they have the resources and established fact 
that the supernatural exists in WWE's storytelling universe, which is great for presentation, and VKM isn't around to ruin it. Yeah, that, that's when thing, one of the things we talked about when people like weren't wired to go to AEW, but we were like, I don't know, because it's because it's a real quote unquote real based mm. thing. It's really hard to integrate his world into that. That's why Broken Matt Hardy didn't work in AEW. But I think the, like this is the place for him. Yeah, yeah. It's lo- it's it's really nice to see because all these years, a long, long, long time, I've just thought sports entertainment was crap. Even though that's what got me to the dance. That's what I loved as a kid. But really, sports entertainment was just being done crap. And what Triple H has done, that I'm so grateful for over the last two months, is show me that it is amazing. And it's it's not just amazing. It can be equally as satisfying, rewarding, and enjoyable as the more sports-based approach of AEW and New Japan. I love both kinds of wrestling. Yeah, that's, you can't do that <laughs> or I pick a side. But the problem like we had in previous wrestling wars with TNA and WWE, for instance, is that TNA would just try and be WWE and WWE would try and be WWE from 10 years ago. What I feel like we've got now is, you know, pending a few backstage issues, AEW's got its toned down perfectly, and now WWE is really fulfilling the potential that it's always had, because ultimately, the, everything was always in place in WWE. It just had a problem at the top. They had the greatest roster that this world has probably ever seen mm. in terms of a wrestling roster, and then they released half of them. But they still, even when they released half of them, still had the greatest roster of talent available to them. But you're right. The, a fish head, a fish rots from the head down, and that's what they had with WWE. They just had a guy at the top that didn't like wrestling and just made bad shows. Let's get some cheap pops for wrestling in the comments. Let's spread some wrestling positivity. It's great to be here reviewing wrestling <laughs> and sports entertainment. I think we can group them. You reckon? Yeah. Otherwise, it sounds well, like I'm picking sides. Well, I was about to say, I mean, that's what Vince was trying to not do. That's why he created the term sports entertainment, was yeah. because he thought wrestling was a dirty word. And even though they, they did it for 40 years, no one ever said it. <laughs> In like general day-to-day conversations, no one ever said, oh, did you see the sports entertainment last night? Mm. Oh, did you go to the sports entertainment show at the weekend? I was always just called it wrestling. So I think that's actually probably Vince's greatest failure. <laughs> well, uh, I think many failed business <laughs> ventures like the XFL. Yeah, sure, he, he lost lots more money on other things, but that Twice. as a, <laughs> but that, as a, tried it again. As an actual like thing he tried to get over. <clears throat> never did. Right, so this show, let's do the play by play. Um, Paul Heyman had a voiceover where it was quite enjoyable. I didn't love it. It wasn't like one of those classic intro video packages, but it did boil down to Heyman shouting at a kid to spell the word extreme. In all fairness, the kid was asking stupid questions. It's not that hard of a word, kid. Yeah, (laughs) X-T-R-M-E. We all know. Get it right. Um, Then we got the little tease for the White Rabbit, Uh, but the opener which is the new like high-flying lucha warm the crowd up thing it's imperium versus brawling brutes in a donnybrook match a good old-fashioned donnybrook <laughs> sorry match. not the not those new fangled donnybrook no, no, zero interest in a new a year 2000 oh. donnybrook match yeah where they've got like electric scooters and 
It's craft beer. Yeah, craft beer and vaping. There's a slide. Oh, no, no, no rubbish. No, I want a good old Johnny Brook match. Yeah, this is the only thing that I really want to see. And it was just two teams kicking the cack out of each other, and it ruled. Yeah, this was excellent. Um, the Sheamus, um, it, Imperium took control early, and they put Sheamus, what was that? Like, it was like a bar, like a wooden bar. They held Sheamus down and... Gunther just chopped, chopped, chopped him and just you saw the red appear instantly. Yeah, Seamus has literally only just come off from that 24 hours earlier. He's only just got the white back on his skin and Walter's <laughs> like, yeah, let's go get that back. Make it red again. Mm -hmm. um, but then Seamus had a great comeback. Uh, I've not written down what started it, though. Well, it's because they buried, like, they essentially sort of buried him under there and he just rose up mm. from, like, from, like, Godzilla out of the sea. Just rose up and he's like, <laughs> and he goes up and he just tears house and just kicks the cack out of everyone. And it was just like, it was awesome, awesome, awesome. I loved the, they did a really good like cloverleaf spot to play off what they did on SmackDown the previous night. They tried to do the, the shillelagh thing again as well. I don't know if I loved, and I didn't like this on SmackDown either, Walter using the shillelagh to win because, hey? sorry, Gunther using the shillelagh to win because mm. the ring is sacred. Like mm. they are wrestlers showing how wrestling should be. That's a good point. I don't want to see them being generic heels that don't actually stand up to their beliefs and they will just cheat to win. I don't like that aspect of them. But the, so they repeated that spot here. It kind of works here because it's a bit, it's not a hardcore <coughs> match. Um, but then like <laughs> Seamus just gives uh, Gunther the razor's edge through a table. Yeah. Irish, Celtic cross, they call it. And it was brutal. Seamus came in, bro kicked to Vinci and got the win. So, yeah, good. Um, I mean, th these these two teams, particularly Gunther and Seamus, such great hard-hitting chemistry. I am nowhere near bored of this. Like, not even close to being less disinterested. It actually did a great... Cause I, I didn't really love the SmackDown... Um, I didn't like the SmackDown angle that they did. Mm. And I thought the match was a much lesser version of the one they did at Clash of the Castle. But that's because it's on TV, where they lost, like, eight minutes yeah, of it to commercial same, breaks. Two ad breaks in there. Two ad breaks, it just, it's, it's not for me. It was so much better on pay-per-view. But this match here did me like got me so hyped for their next encounter because mm. now that Seamus has pinned one of them, they're gonna do another isotope match, the third match, as I predicted, and they'll probably do that at the Saudi show, and that's where Seamus will win the belt. That would be unfortunate because the Saudi audience is generally there, there is like a, a smart contingent, a more hardcore contingent, but it's mostly people who are just there to watch the wrestling in town. I feel like Seamus getting the win. That's he's he's really connected with the fans off the back of Clash at the Castle, and it would be nice for him to get that win in front of those fans. But it's perfect for a Crown Prince's super sweet sixteen birthday mm. party, which is what the Saudi mm. shows are. Yeah, Triple H might have his biggest booking <laughs> challenge yet. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk about all the Mez, the, the Mez, the Miz <laughs> stuff uh, at the end. Liv Morgan then took on Ronda Rousey. Oof. Um, yeah, this was unfortunate. I didn't like much of this. I, I thought this match was an absolute disaster. I, it's difficult because I feel like they were both trying hard. Liv always looks like she's trying hard. Ronda, you know. Was un undermined everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the story was, and it's been the story going in, Liv has unleashed this extreme side of herself, but Ronda is already very dangerous. So you've got this opening visual of Liv trying to get the weapon 
to attack Rhonda. A weapon she brought down to the ring. This is what happened, folks. Mm. She made her entrance with the bat. She stood on one side of the ring and Rhonda stood on the other. Liv then put down the bat in the corner and posed with her title, then walked away from the bat so that Rhonda could walk in front of the bat. And then the first three, a few minutes of the match was Liv trying to get to the bat. Like a cowardly heel. I was like, you brought the thing here. Why did you put it down in a corner and then walk to the other side of the ring and allow your opponent to get in the way of it? And that's kind of been the story of this feed. The video package for this, by the way, is, was edited so, <laughs> so well to make this look like it was a really good story. Yeah. But the story is, Liv was not hardcore enough to take on Ronda Rousey. So Liv got hardcore and it still wasn't good enough to take on Ronda Rousey. And then this match was, Liv tried to be hardcore and Ronda laughed, then won. Yeah. This has been a terrible babyface booking. Awful. But I think you've got to look at it, as we said in the predictions video. This is the, the whole point of the title loss, the money in the bank cash in, seems to have actually been to reset Ronda Rousey because she was getting booed. And this has helped to get into a bit more of a badass tweener role with those kinds of reactions. Hope that the the main hope is that Liv Morgan uh, passed out because she was in an armbar. Uh, <laughs> well, it's because these two cannot lock a triangle in on each other. Like they were trying to help, they were trying to work together, and it was not working. By the way, the reason that Ronda was able to lock on this armbar slash supposed triangle was because uh, Liv Morgan hit a senton through her through a table. That sounds familiar. And Ronda's reaction to that was. Armbar. Well, so you're, you're telling me someone hit a senton and then the finish was someone not letting go of a triangle. Yeah, you know what I said about this on Dynamite? Oh, yeah, the main event. The main event. I mean, I was like, the exact same finish. Producers, have a chat with each other. Find out what your finishes are so you're not just doing the same finish in two different matches. They did have a chat, but then they but were like, Bray's returning. Doesn't matter. No one doesn't care. And also, Edge had triangle spots in his match as well. It's their new favorite thing. Mm -hmm. But I just like, I, I actually, the more I think about it, the more I hated this. Yeah. Because this made Liv. aged well in the course of eight hours. It made Liv look awful. And Ronda's no selling of everything and laughing just made Liv's offense look even worse. Mm. Liv, by the way, was throwing this baseball bat the same way you were hitting me with the chair in the predictions video. Tinks heard around the world they were, only no one was selling them this time. And that, it was, that got to me the most. And there was a moment in this when Ronda Rousey, to, because Liv started to get some offense in, just threw her gi at Liv Morgan, who sold it like she was a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> And it's just like, I can't get out of this incredible trap you've thrown on me. Then the gi falls off, but Rhonda wasn't ready to do her next thing. So Liv just had to stand there and be like, oh, I'm I'm flustered by that. <laughs> Awful. And then, and I cannot get over this finish, <laughs> Liv Morgan hit a top rope senton through a table and Ronda Rousey just no sold it and locked on a submission. Well, awful, awful business. There was a kick out. There was a, she went for the pin, it was a near fall, and then she went straight into the... Without selling it. The submission. I and she just hit her with a recoil with the chair yeah. that she also didn't sell. Liv Morgan also, by the way, didn't sell that move. Mm -hmm. She did a recoil, held onto a chair with her knee, and pushed it into Ronda's face. And Liv immediately just stood up and was like, why isn't your knee hurting? Then <laughs> the chair also hit you, Liv. And they just highlight even further because Bailey and Bianca Bella did such a better version of that in their match later. This is dreadfully awful. Uh, also, the baseball bat shots. The baseball bat <laughs> as, a, as, as a weapon, I feel like should be, you know, it's not sledgehammer territory, but 
it's far more than a chair or a kendo stick, but they were treating it like a kendo stick. Yeah. And they were just hitting each other. It was like, the, a, it was like a, a plastic bat in the end. That's Sting's main thing. <laughs> and they're just using it all the time. I, The more you talk about it, I think... Look, I try and be as honest and transparent about my thinking process as possible. I obviously have a lot of goodwill towards WWE right now. <laughs> I'm enjoying the product. That means things can skate past me a lot easier. The, there is part of me that, uh, when all is said and done, is less excited about the Raw Women's Championship feud than I am about this. Because what happened in the finish, Liv passed out, she was grinning, yeah, whatever, but Ronda's champion, she's a bit more of a tweener, and all signs are pointing towards Liv going back to more of a fun character. Like in the Riot Squad days. My only thing I have against that is that think how over she was in the Vince era. Mm. This is one of those ones like Liv has really struggled under the Triple H regime. I think because he's way more interested in Ronda and he's just got no time for, for Liv. And he's just like, ah, well, we'll just do this. Completely bury you and make you look like an absolute chump. Then we'll just reestablish your character. We'll do something else. But Liv was over. Mm -hmm. Crowd was so, so into Liv Morgan. And I think Triple H has actually undermined all of that work. All the work that Becky Lynch did at getting yeah. her over yeah. earlier this year. Completely wasted <laughs> in a feud that has absolutely sucked. Um, Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre. This is like the... Karrion Cross seems to get a lot of chances from Triple H uh, in it's NXT. Not, not just not just Triple H. Who else? Well, I, I think because he didn't get a chance with Vince. No, but what I mean is that like Karrion Cross is the guy that hundreds of promoters have looked at and said like that's the guy, mm. and have made him a top star in all of their promotions. And every single every single time it's happened, everyone's gone. I don't see why. Yeah, well, he's got a. He's got a very good look. He's got a fantastic entrance in WWE. The act with Scarlet Bordeaux is fantastic. So great. Uh, the, the promos, I would say, are just, you know, pretty generic bad guy. But yeah, and I, I hate to say it because he seems like a lovely, lovely bloke. Absolutely. But it, there seems to be something missing to put him at this top number two heel spot in the main event he this, does not feel like the number two heel this match against drew and drew can you know have great matches with pretty much anyone was pretty middling most of the time they brought carrion wouldn't put the strap on scarlet distracted drew they brawled around the outside carrion worked over drew drew did the standard kip up comeback it was a really good sequence where they were just whipping each other with the strap that was good but then ultimately bordeaux pepper sprayed drew and that led to was it the cross hammer yeah it's like well it's will's finish yeah uh the sort of yeah hidden blade for forearm uh which gave carrion the win which is the right result absolutely uh if if you want carrion to ever succeed again but yeah not the not the blow away match that might have been needed I have said this, and I'm actually taking heat for this before mm. on this very podcast about Karrion Cross is that he is an incredible presentation. Mm. And, as, and as you say, I've heard nothing but lovely things about him as well. Apparently he's a top, top dude. But he has got a killer presentation in WWE. Yeah. But then the bell rings and he is fine. 
And he's not, he doesn't, he never feels main events. And every promotion I've ever seen him in where he's pushed as a main event guy, he never feels main events. Even when he was in NXT, the story, the reaction to him as a main event guy in NXT was so bad, they had to turn into a storyline that Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, and Finn Balor were like, you are rubbish. Why are you the <laughs> champion? You should be on the main roster having bad matches up there. Yeah. This is NXT. We have, we're a work rate company. We're meant to have good matches here. And Karen Cross just kept winning. Mm. And it's, I, I don't think it's ever going to work. But they'll keep giving him chances. Because they, yeah. they clearly see something in him. I, For me, I've yet to see it. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, when you've seen someone be pushed to the top so many times, and it hasn't really clicked, it works to an extent, but almost for a, for a placeholder extent. Yeah. I take no joy in saying this. Absolutely not. Gunther feels like a much bigger heel mm. and should be further up the card than, than Crosses. Yeah. Uh, then we got Bailey versus Belair in a ladder match. Uh, and we got Nikita Lyons in the crowd as mm -hmm. well. Um, but the this was a this was good. Like they, you know, they it was a ladder match. There were a few bumps there. I didn't I still feel like Bailey's got quite a lot of she's it's almost like she's a bit worried. As as you would be coming off an injury, mm. maybe a ladder match wasn't the best idea to <laughs> run into. Um when she starts messing around with her knee brace and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh Belair's offense, you know, she's very good. She's very well suited for a ladder match thing. But they go, I think, 15 minutes in the end, damage control come down and have zero effect. Well, the storyline going into this was how will Belair survive when she's got no and friends, but Bailey still has both of her friends? Mm. Turns out absolutely fine because they are not an inconvenience. Shall I give you a, a YouTube tip? Mm -hmm. You should say uh, it's super easy, barely an inconvenience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the people, people like go crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a catchphrase from another channel. Mm. Super easy, barely an inconvenience. Yep, cheap pop. <laughs> In the comments for wrestling. Cheap pop the wrestling. Uh, yeah, so um, Belair just took them both out with a double KOD, despite having wrestled 10 minutes in a ladder match. Uh, I thought, okay, well, they're setting up for Bailey to now win. Bailey got her underneath the ladder, climbed up it. Belair pushed that over, gave Bailey a KOD while Bailey was holding a ladder. And then Belair won. Yeah, so the finish was quite contrived because ba like Belair had Bailey up on her shoulders for the KOD, then walked her over to the ladder so Bailey could pick up the ladder piece, and then she hit the KOD while she was mm. holding it. So it didn't. It wasn't smooth, and it looked it looked quite clunky, but at the same time, incredibly impressive. Yeah, it, well, the, the double KOD as well was not smooth. <laughs> but yeah, I I appreciate the. Uh, the thought and the strength that goes into at least trying to make it happen. Absolutely, yeah. It was, it was okay. Well, I think it was a, it was a decent match. Yeah. But, it, but ladder matches in WWE have a, a kind of death-defying bar where you've got to go through a ladder. You've got to jump off a ladder from a very high point. At the bare minimum, you have to take a very awkward landing on a ladder, and they didn't do any of that. Uh, I'm not saying. I want people to take those bumps, but this is WWE. It's extreme rules. That was the expectation. So I think they did fall short of that. 
This uh, apparently, according to Fightful Select, was talked of being the main event as well. I thought it was going to be the main event. Yeah, you said. Because I thought it was, you know, it's the, the <coughs> biggest angle that they have on Raw. Like, this is the one they've given all of the time to. Do you think if it was the main event, Bailey would have won the title? No, I think Bella was always going to win. Always going to win that first bout between them. Which I think is a real shame for damage control. Because like you said in your review, your excellent review. Mm. You know, we had this in, I can't remember which show it was now, but we were talking about, like, Oh, Bailey's got no. Uh, sorry, Bianca Belair's got no friends now. I was like, this could be a place to have Banks and Naomi return. That's her new backup. And there were a lot of people theorizing, well, who's going to be the new backup? It turns out Belair doesn't need back. She doesn't need and friends. Mm. They just they and it actually damages Bliss and Asuka even further because it's like, well, why do you even hang out with her as her cheerleader when she doesn't need yeah. you? Yeah, I. As bad as the Rousey Morgan match was, I'm like I said, I'm excited. Rousey's champion, that should give more credibility to the division. Liv's going to undergo a character change. Here, the only thing that's changed coming out of it is that Belair is arguably one, more one-dimensional and damage control have lost again. Again. And I, I, you know, I think that ship's now sailed. They will now never get past a certain point of we cut long promos and we're heels. Ding dong. It's where Judgment Day was. Although Judgment Day have come back from that. As long as Trips has got belief in you and he has you open every episode of Raw, you can get over again. So maybe the Sasha Banks return could help reset damage control, but I, f uh, yeah, I feel like now is the time to put the belt on her. I knew that Bailey wasn't going to win. I just want to point out, I went six for six on this card. Oh! What did me. I get? Uh, I think you got no, four. Uh, speaking of, Finn Balor versus Edge. I quit match. My match of the night. Dear God, <laughs> freaking fantastic. Here is everything you need to know about this match. For the first 20 minutes, I took no notes. Not I, even... I took... Mm, these, yeah. these are the notes I took. Balor has new music and a new Gimp Master to go with it. It's cool. It's a dark remix of his old music. Lots of brawlings and submissions. They go through a barricade and there's a light holy S chance. Then the, all the run-ins happened, which was the final 10 minutes match. So that right there are all of the notes I have to say about the first 20 minutes of this match. This was a half hour match, 30 minutes long. And it was quite boring. I think it's a quite fascinating microcosm of the pay-per-view as a whole. <laughs> Two thirds of it mostly forgettable. The other third, so great. Some of the best stuff oh, I've ever seen. This is, the final ten minutes of this match is the best thing on this show by leaps and bounds. This was in freaking incredible. And as long as it's the last third that's great, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Loved it. You can do the same finish twice, agents. It doesn't matter. So what happened? It was an I quit match. Balor and Edge, they brawled. They brawled into the crowd, and all the time the referee is holding up the microphone to their mouths. I hate that style of like. <laughs> no. No. Hell no. Hello. <laughs> A lot of them are just sort of like Frankenstein monsters, like. I, no, I, really not for me. Um, but again, they were working very. Hard. <laughs> they were, I can hear it. <laughs> Out of breath, the pair of them. So let's fast forward twenty minutes. Bala is going is saying I I I, <laughs> and then 
Dominic and Dam- D- Damien run in. Yeah, Dominic and, and Damien. <laughs> uh, and they stop Bala from quitting and they beat up Edge. And from that moment on, the next 10 minutes <laughs> all, were all killer, no filler. All freaking hell broke loose. The only thing missing here was an AJ run in. But like yeah, every- I thought AJ was going to run in. Yeah. Everyone else did. Yeah, yeah. Beth Phoenix ran in. Rey Mysterio ran in. So he I'll was just, less than effective. I'll go through all the points. So Edge hits this awesome spear on Bala, off the bar- off the apron, onto Damien and, and Dom. That was awesome. Uh, then the, he, he stands back and Rhea Ripley handcuffs him to the top rope out of nowhere. You get this great moment of Edge looking at the hard cam, back turned to Judgment Day like... Just, just hit me, and they all start beating him down. And that's when Rey Mysterio runs down, and Rey beats up everyone. But Dominic, boo! He beats up his dad. Dominic turns around. It's Beth Phoenix. <laughs> Beth Phoenix is there. Edge's wife. He beats him up. She turns around. Rhea Ripley's there. It's Beth versus Ripley. It's what we all wanted. They have a really intense brawl. The crowd are going ballistic. Edge then. But does he does he beat up Dominic first? Well, he he gets free because uh, Beth Phoenix beats yes. up Rhea Ripley and gets the key, unlocks Edge, and then Edge kicks Dominic right in the willy, just like after Dominic shook his hand in exactly the same way they did at Clash of the Castle. Muy bueno, lovely stuff. Dominic's facial selling of this, and actually Dominic's facials throughout, I thought were exemplary. Edge hits three spears on Finn, and I'm sitting there going, you know what, like. I don't think Finn should win, but I, I'm really enjoying this. If they if they're gonna let Edge win again, that's fine. And then does he kick? So he went and got the chair, and he was gonna do the the, the chair thing where he puts the bar between your teeth mm. with the cross face. And Rhea Ripley just hits Beth Phoenix with brass knucks, as if we needed more gimmicks on top of this. And I think we did. Brass knucks <laughs> to Beth Phoenix. Beth is out cold. Yeah. And so then they've, they've got Edge held up, like the, the goons. You've got Dominic and Dominic just like holding Edge up. And Bala's there going like, this is your last chance. Yeah. Quit. Uh, uh, was this after the three coup de gras? Yeah, did, oh, well, no, they did that. And then, like, the coup, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. The coup de gras. And I was like, this is your last chance. And then they set Beth up for the concerto. Ripley's going to do the concerto one to Beth. And Edge just goes like, okay, I quit. I quit. It's like he, he can't even bring himself to say because he's too proud of a man to to, to quit because he's never quit in his life. And then they just looked at him and and just did it anyway. Oh my! So he said, "I quit," and you know that's the end of the match. And I was I was honestly downstairs in my living room, uh, what you know, quarter to eight in the morning, and I yell, "Hit her anyway!" <laughs> it's like Clash of the Castle all over again. Hit your dad! Hit your dad! I was so hit his wife into this angle. I was just like, "Hit her anyway! Do it! Do it!" And she hit her, and I just went, "Yes!" <laughs> I was so into this. It was so great. And it was just like, you look at all the stuff that happened in a 10 minute process and you're like, no, that's overbooking. Surely, surely that was overbooked. But actually, if you look at the whole card, there's no other interference. There's no cheating to win, I guess, because you've got the extreme rules. Well, damage control interference. Oh, and you actually also had Scarlet Bordeaux. Yeah. It's actually quite a lot of interference. We look at it. It's like an AEW card. But there wasn't this This much. (laughs) They didn't have... Eight people interfere. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like the Bray Wyatt return because you, it's just another thing on top of another thing. And so, it's such a hard thing to do because you don't know when you're going to over egg the pudding. 
And they managed it with the Bray return. And here they also managed it in terms of an in-ring storytelling perspective. This was soap opera sports entertainment at its finest. I said in my review, I thought this was nearing levels of Shane and Vince at WrestleMania 17. Nearly. Yeah, but like in terms of like just yeah. how many beats they have and twists and turns and this person runs in, that person runs in. I just wish it wasn't half an hour. Because like if, if I was to compare this to Great British Bake Off, this feels like we were following someone baking and they just kept like looking at their baby like, oh, this is, I don't think this is going to be very good at mm. all. Oh, I've messed that up. I forgot to put that ingredient in. Oh my God, I didn't put any salt in. I'm going to have to redo my yeah. batter and nothing other. Yeah. I was just like, but I'm, I'm, no. I'm not going to quit. I can't quit. I need, to, I need to make this bake. And they get the bake and they put it up in front of Paul Hollywood. Paul Hollywood eating goes like, that's one of the greatest cakes I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> That's what happened here. I might have recognized here. The first 20 minutes or so were really boring, but that final third was exceptional. Yeah. Uh, I. It's, yeah, so much fun. That, that It's great. Good bake. Um, Charlotte Flair had a video package well, in the sort the peacock of thing. ads. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you don't know how much to read into that. Last last thing I just want to mm. say, sorry, in that Edge and Balor match, because I do feel like this is actually my, not like everything was great about this. Michael freaking Cole. Mm. This was the best work that he did. We reviewed SummerSlam 05 recently for uh, Patreon, oh, Rust Talk yeah. Extra. Michael Cole was so great in that Ray, Eddie Guerrero, Dominic Mysterio on a ladder pole match. Him and Taz. Him yeah. and Taz were so great because Michael Cole has got this relationship and this sort of like understanding because oh, his kids are adopted. And they're like, it mm. worked so beautifully with that story. It was like incredible Michael Cole there. Cole, I wish he was on Raw for this storyline. I probably will be. <laughs> He's so great. He just shouted at one point when Dom was beating up Ray, someone should slap that kid across the face. Yeah. And you got Corey there being like, He's no kid. He's a man now. But Cole just could not get over that this young boy was beating up his dad. And the drummer, and he kept pleading with Edge. Edge, mm. no one will think any less of you if you just quit now. Just quit, man. Just quit. He was so freaking great here. It's that moral voice that JR used to have so well in the Attitude Era. And it's, yeah, it's great to see Cole bring it out. Mm -hmm. He was, yeah, extraordinary. Uh, Miz, all throughout the night, had these backstage segments with Gritty, not the fanat not the uh, Philly fanatic, the baseball mascot. They're different colors, Luke. <laughs> Did you and say that in your review? I got the wrong, oh, no. I got the wrong weird horn-nosed <laughs> fluffy man. <laughs> Which is on me. I'm sorry. That's absolutely fine. I, I thought I thought I was being showing my good sports knowledge because I've seen a baseball. Yeah. Once once or twice. Is this I, not a baseball? I don't. Well, maybe it's another baseball. Is he a basketball? Because I think it's the, the Philadelphia Flyers, Flyers, right? Yeah. Then you fly through the air in basketball. In basketball. You don't really fly through the air in What's baseball, the do you? Say? What's the it's uh, it's just sports ball. Uh, Cole was great last night. Mm. Uh, no, it's hockey. It's a hockey. He's a hockey right. one because they fly across the ice. You see, yeah. he's a hockey. I just, I thought he just, oh, it's a honey monster. Uh, and the main event was Seth. Can Rollins. we actually say what happened? He just had these interactions. Oh, yeah. And then Dexter Loomis choked him out. Yeah. And, well, and then the, the honey monster beat him up some more. You could have, yeah, guessed. Yeah. What, what I am pleading with this company to do something with this storyline tomorrow on Raw. Mm. It has to move into another chapter. Seth versus Riddle for the main event in the Fight Pit. Uh, of course, Fight Pit is the cage with no ropes, door. turnbuckle, or door. Um, Daniel Cormier was a special guest referee. So he's also got a platform with another cage. Yes. 
So gimmick to the gills. Uh, but yes, it what it did suffer. It was 15 minutes. It did suffer from everyone waiting for the Bray thing. Uh, it was good. Um, Seth came out in a, in a Rob Van Dam inspired top. He even did a sort of RVD Seth freaking Rollins pose and hit a five his attempt at a five star frog splash. Uh, but yeah, never really got to. It was wasn't the best match of the night by far. Do you know what I think the problem with this match was? Tell me. And, I, and I'm curious to see what you make of this because this was my first instinct. I don't like worked MMA in wrestling anyway because I think it always looks bad. This is a blood feud between two people who cannot stand each other. So when this match starts and they just do fake MMA mm. where Matt just doing a, you know, a few kicks and stuff and, and Ron's like, ah, no, he kicked me. I was like, where's the intensity of this match? Surely these two should be at each other from the get-go. It's fight pit. Mm. Like, just go for each other. Start throwing each other into the cage and stuff. But it didn't have that level of intensity that's befitting of this feud that's had all this real-world stuff poured into it. And it was a, a bit like Triple H Randy Orton had that blood feud mm. at WrestleMania and, it's, and it opens with a lockup. And I was just like, as soon as they didn't just go for each other, I was like, this is not the match that it needs to be to finish this storyline and to give Matt that big win. I think Cormier as well. I do agree with that. I think Cormier, a special guest referee, never got involved enough. I've heard some, like, I think Meltzer said this, that there was an attempt at a famous, almost century-old boxing finish. You hear this? <laughs> no, I didn't. So there was yeah. a bit when Seth knocked down Riddle, Cormier should have started counting, you know, to 10 to get a count out finish. But he checked on Riddle and he checked on Riddle for so long. And Seth was shouting at him like, you've got to count. Start the count. So maybe that will play into Seth versus DC down the line. That's what I said. I was like, they'll find a way. Because I thought they would did it with the, there was a moment later on where they got up onto the top mm. and Rollins hit a pedigree up onto the platform. And he's shouting at Cormier to start the count. Yeah, that's the, yeah. Oh, is that it? Maybe. No, because Cormier was saying, well, I can't count because he's you can only yeah. count this when he's in the ring. But Ron's there going like, no, you need to start the count now. Not understanding the rules of the, mm. of the, of the match, it would appear. So I just figured like, oh, okay, we're doing this to start a Rollins versus Cormier storyline, presumably for Crown Jewel. So I, yeah, I get that. But like, it didn't really, apart from the moments when he literally got into their faces and he one point like pushed Rollins, early doors pushed Rollins up against the cage. He was, he was there. Mm. But the finish saw uh, Seth get hit by an RKO on the platform and he very gingerly and safely rolled off to which Corey Graves went, thank God he did that safely. <laughs> <laughs> thank God he didn't really get hurt. And then Matt Riddle, I think was supposed to do a big floating bro. Oh, you reckon? Cause I, yeah, I thought surely a floating bro. Here. And I think he got cold feet and was like, I'm just going to do a senton instead. And he just did this senton because Michael Cole went floating bro from the top <laughs> and he landed and he had this look on his face that was like, I regret doing that completely. Which was, yeah. as, his, <laughs> as his ass shot out of his mouth. <laughs> Awful bump to take. My wife couldn't fathom that someone was dumb enough to do that. And I was like, I should show you this 1PW clip I've got. Yeah, I was going to say, at least it wasn't from a balcony onto concrete, as we saw at the 1PW show. Um, but yeah, then this was what I thought this was quite a good triangle finish, though, because Riddle then locked in, locked triangle. in a triangle. Yeah. And yeah, they did the hold first off. check. <laughs> then Rollins powered him up. He's like forcing him into the cage, kind of buckle bomb-esque, but he couldn't get out. 
falls to the ground, taps. Good, good result for Riddle because it's his stipulation. Right result. Some spots were good. It buckled bomb on the top platform Man, of the cage. Crikey, Matt, he did not look like comfortable. It's like Kelly Kelly running the ropes with the amount of steps that he was taking before he got there. Like Fred Flintstone before he does a, a bowl. Yeah, because, because if, he, it was such a tight rope. I don't think to walk across. Also, if that cage wall comes off, You've killed about three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very silly idea. You're going into the audience. Yeah. So <laughs> Michael Gold was like, ah, real shades of mankind hell in the cell there. I was like, yeah. thank, thank God it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, right finish. And then, of course, we got the absolutely magnificent prey return. So overall, I cannot. <laughs> if you told me 2022 at the start of this year, my top three pay-per-views uh, scores as high as 95 and 96 percent SummerSlam, i gave 95 percent to clash at the castle i gave 96 percent to because you had the the fiend stuff and the bala edge match plus like how good that six-man opener was everything else don't really consider like wasn't great in three hours of runtime that is a condensed dense Bit of sports entertainment crumpet and i gave it 95 percent. i freaking love this show and i will always remember it this is a show no one will go back and watch most of the matches no one's going to go back and watch that ladder match no one will go back and watch fight pits people will watch the last 10 minutes they'll just fast forward to get it, to the mainly the good me stuff. Uh, and we'll watch the opening match no one will go back and watch that morgan rousey thing but they're going to go back and watch that white debut it's an all-time moment. It's an all-time moment. And this is really, at a push, it's a four out of five show. And that's a real push because, as I said, there's like a match and a third mm. were, were great and everything else was <clears throat> middling to okay. But that match that was so good at the start, that final 10 minutes, that third was so, so great. One of the best things of all year. And then that return kind of does make it a five out of five show. Yeah, it's not one of my favorite shows of the year. Like, I don't think I'm going to vote for it when it comes to the end of year nominations. Um, it was nowhere near as good as Clash of the Castle, but yeah, great show. Three fantastic pay per views for my money, uh, and really, you know, when I look back on it, SummerSlam was uh, a fever dream <laughs> of, of optimism and just nonsense. But I loved it, and I won't go back and change that down, um, like I have for some Raws. <laughs> but the <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Clash at the Castle, Extreme Rules, Humdinger. He's got a tall order with Saudi Arabia. Luckily, Survivor Series is just a few weeks yeah, after to reset all that bad yeah, will. But Saudi Arabia's all bells and whistles, isn't it? Because it's it's Logan Paul and Roman Reigns and stuff. So yeah. like that's just got that celebrity out the wazoo mm. of just it's a weird it's a weird house show spectacle thing. It doesn't have to be good. Mm. It's just gotta have the big pyro and ballet here around it. Do the hot tag oh please do yeah we're getting to the rest of your old chat ding 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 this is your last call for them wrestle.com forward slash support we'll read out all of them above the five us dollar amounts deadlock exe said no one else can't live have a time standstill moment when the chair she set up as uh, gently as she could in the corner <laughs> fell down i always feel bad for her but i uh, just can't help but burst into laughter when it fell down there really was a look <laughs> on her face like oh that's yeah. the spot we're gonna do next 
And then it took them three attempts to do that spot. Mm -hmm. Bad. <laughs> Jose Rivera said, I was there at the event. The show was definitely better on TV. The crowd were actively laughing during the I Quit match. All we could hear were grunts randomly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're on the other side of the arena, was you going to just... <laughs> Uh, Imperium match and Bianca's match were the best oh. in person. The live match was worse in person. The finish was a bit confusing because we couldn't tell if it was the same finish or if we couldn't tell if it was the finish. Same with the riddle match. Never felt like it got into a third gear. We were concerned for their safety because the cage was so mm. unsteady. Uh, Chiara says, I finally got why I can't take Cross as a threat. He's now got the same haircut as Sullivan, who's got the most, who's the most wholesome human being. <laughs> he did get proper poofy yes, hair. Yes, he did, didn't he? Yeah, you slick it back for the entrance, but then the second a little bit of perspiration gets in there, <laughs> a bit of humidity in the air, poof. It's not a good look. Also, forgive the link, but I've got to praise the staff for going full Nakamura in Edge's entrance. Never link to Oh, that. okay. So this is a shot of somebody, one of the stagehands, trying to get out the way of a shot, presumably. And he's like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like on the barricade, so Edge can doing the, see Doing it. the Nakamura yeah, pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the <laughs> legit right. underboss has been a member for nine months was watching with Stephen Larson last night and someone said cross with hair looks like an evolved version of Sullivan <laughs> and now I can't unsee it for uh, frantic energy says first time ultra trap from Sydney Australia, Australia. Bray's return was one of the biggest pops of the year and live versus Ronda was very enjoyable just checking both Seth Rollins and Liv have blacked out their Instagram. What do you think that means? They're obviously also the White Rabbit. Yeah. Dylan Haggard, Bray's return is a reminder that wrestling is not like nothing else in this world. Mm. Ket said, Liv's reign as champ reminds me of Carmella's from a few years ago. Cashed in and won the title, but they're just having subpar matches and not being booked as a threat. <clears throat> Honestly, not into the SmackDown women's scene at the moment. Carmella's was a weird one, though, because they kept saying she doesn't belong as champion. She's just not good enough to be champion. Then she went toe-to-toe -to -toe with all of her top contenders. I was like, so is she going to be champion? And with Carmella, that was a... I, I didn't like it, but it does work, I guess, a little bit better for a heel. Yeah. For exactly. a baby face, it's uh, just death. Yeah, I was, we haven't even... Didn't even talk about that, but yeah, Liv's supposed to be the baby face yeah. in all of this. Um, Dylan Haggett, Gunther versus Sheamus 3. Should it have a, any sort of gimmick? I'd like to see two out of three fours. Yeah, you could do that, couldn't you? Because you've had the... But there's there's no reason, because they're not one apiece, actually. It's just no. Gunther twice. Um, first blood via chop to the chest match. No chops allowed match. It's no. all, all chops. It's the only thing you're allowed to do. <laughs> Alfie Hanning, uh, Harrigan says, Hey guys, I thought last show was really good, and that Bray Wyatt's return was handled to perfection. I also really enjoyed the I Quit match, but I don't think it needs to go as long as it did. I could have easily had some time shaved off of it. Nope. <laughs> Also, Longer. Also, PD Williams was there at the end as well, so immediate five out of five show <laughs> for me. Hit someone with a Canadian destroyer. Plasma PD. OMG, he's back. I popped so hard last night that my roommates had to come and make sure I was okay. Extreme Rules was 5.5 .5 out of five for me. Pete, no one likes it when you break a scale. <laughs> Idenol says, Hey guys, thanks for everything. I really love you guys. What if Bray goes after Braun, and after a few months of Braun not being able to get the upper hand, Bray gets him to rejoin the Wyatt family? If not, who should Bray feud with first? I've got no interest in Braun <laughs> feud with Bray, if I'm honest. But who should Bray feud with first? It's a great Because question. he did not enter anybody's matches. He was very distinctly separate from the rest of the card. Alexa Bliss. <laughs> I don't know. This is, again, one of those things where I am actually not fantasy booking anything here. 
I just want to see what they give me. I'm just I'm sat back and I've got a an empty plate, but I'm holding a knife and I'm holding a fork and I'm ready to be given what I've I haven't ordered anything, but a waiter is gonna bring me something and I think I'm gonna enjoy it. I think what they did with SummerSlam and Finn Balor was perfect because you now just want a match that he can win very quickly against an upper mid to main event talent. And it's just a showcase the new gimmick. So you don't need to enter a storyline. You just have him haunt someone for a bit. So yeah, I'd do that. N not necessarily feud, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Do you think Rollins wins the title tonight uh, on Monday? On US title? Yeah, I think he should. I think he should as well. Okay, Reyes, the only thing I haven't been liking about Judgment Day is the lack of comeuppance for Rhea. It reminds me a little of Stephanie McMahon a few years ago. That being said, she's got great heel, great heel heat with that concerto. Well, there's the comeuppance. Mm. Her versus Beth at Crown Jewel. Yeah. Uh, Travis Manktelo has been a member for 14 months. Hey guys, good show, amazing ending. I was wondering if you had any updates on how Callum Newman is getting on with his scholarship. Jam that jam. Uh, not directly, but he's he's wrestling all around the country. He's you know, working for Progress last time I saw. So yeah, he's fantastic though. Valet Mamadou Pumdi has gifted five memberships. Oh. Which uh, memberships? Uh, memberships. Do apologise. So KXW Wrestling is a brand new member. David Hellion is a brand new member, and Nick uh, nickname took forever is a seventeen month member. Oh, thank you to all the members. Absolutely. Uh, Connor Bath said, "Okay, guys, I can't accept the disrespect to on Return of the King. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's my favourite. Oh. <laughs> How?" How is that your favorite of the trilogy? Even if you have problems with the movie, you can't help but get hyped from Aragorn's speech. Yeah, I get hyped from moments in AEW pay-per-views. It's still five hours long. Same problem with Return of the King. I've never seen it. Um, Miguel Ortiz has been a member for seven months in a row, said, my final month as a member as I'm upgrading to Pledge Hammer. Excited to support my favorite boys a little bit more. Also, this show was rad. Thank you very much. Everybody else, if you want to go support us more, please do head over to our Patreon page, WrestleTalk, patreon.com forward slash WrestleTalk. Become a pledge hammer over there because we've got loads of exclusive content. Our behind the scenes podcast, where we talk about all the stuff that happens, well, behind the scenes. Goes, all our backstage fights we have. Absolutely, yeah. All our brawl outs. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's also goes got, live on Wednesday. It's got uh, your live reports from Royal Quest mm -hmm. uh, 2, which happened here in London a few weeks ago, the New Japan show. Uh, so that goes live this Wednesday. Also, next week's episode of the Monday Night War is on that. Is Already? available right, it's right now. It's available oh, right now. Episode 5 access. is available right now to be watched. So head on over there and go and enjoy that, as well as me and Pete doing a backstage podcast on how that show comes together and all of our candid thoughts on this show. All that and more. Plus, all we can now announce as well, the winner of WrestleTalk Extra for this month, WWE Battleground 2013, I thought was a shoo-in to win this time round. 9% of the vote could not conquer TNA Bound for Glory 2005 with 33% of the vote. So, so thrilled. I'm excited to watch that. Not so excited for using their streaming service. Oh, it's an awful, awful platform. But excited to watch the wrestling and relive some weird memories. We'll have to see if we've still got a login for it. We probably have one from three years ago yes. that we will log in for. Oh, wow, got loads here. <laughs> anyway, that's all we've got time for on this edition of the show. Back on Tuesday with the Raw review with all the DX shenanigans mm. and Bray Wyatt stuff. Who knows? The season premiere Raw. Uh, I've been the Cone, D-A-D. -D. That has been Ollie Davis. Jam that jam.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.